Uh, welcome to you who are in the room and uh, those of you online. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. This is three times as many people as I thought would be here today, okay? Uh, you guys all have brand new slippers and brand new pajamas, and you could have sat and watched this and drank your hot coffee. Uh, and that would, I, I wouldn't have even been offended. If this room had been empty, I'd have been like, yeah, me too, guys, me too. Uh, so good for you who braved the cold, and no judgment to you online. That's what I would be doing uh, if I was you. So <laughs> welcome, welcome, however you're with us today. Uh, so on January 1st, 1863, Abraham Lincoln signed what was one of the most famous documents in American history. The very first day of the year, 1863, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. And the Emancipation Proclamation, as you probably know, declared that all enslaved people in the United States were immediately free. Now, this happened in the middle of the Civil War. I think it's easy to think maybe that's what started the Civil War, but actually the Civil War had been going on for a while, and this happened kind of in the middle, and it only intensified what was going on because suddenly there was a lot more at stake, especially for enslaved people. And by the end of the war, actually, there were over 200,000 black soldiers who had joined in the fight, and they ended up being a very vital part of the Union victory in the Civil War. But many more people who were enslaved were not aware of the Emancipation Proclamation. There was no Twitter. Uh, I don't think I have to tell you that in 1863. There was not a good way for word to spread fast. And so many enslaved people did not know that they had been set free. In Texas alone, around a quarter of a million people had not heard this news. It actually took two and a half more years for word of the Emancipation Proclamation to make it to those enslaved people in Texas. Two and a half years between their legal emancipation and their physical emancipation. But finally, two and a half years after it was signed, Union General Gordon Granger arrived in Galveston, Texas, and announced that the president had issued a proclamation freeing those people. It was quite a day. So this morning we are gathered, and it is the day after Christmas. We have wrapped up, some of us, most of our uh, Christmas events. Maybe some of us have a few more to go to this week, but Christmas has passed. Christmas is over, and for those of us who follow Jesus, Christmas is a huge, huge event. We spend four weeks in the season of Advent lighting candles and building anticipation and waiting for the light to break in. We spend those weeks preparing our hearts, preparing our houses, preparing ourselves for the celebration of Christmas Day. And on Christmas, we celebrate that the light did break in. The light has come and shone into the darkness. And the world has fundamentally changed forever. Christmas marks the beginning right, of this life of Jesus that changed history, it changed the world, it changed everything forever. Emmanuel is here. God is with us. And in the Gospel of Luke, we get to see all of that anticipation, all of that buildup to Christmas, and then we get to see that first Christmas celebration. And Matthew has uh, a version as well, but I think Luke's is the best known because there's so many different parts and moving pieces that are going around. We get to see the angel come to Zechariah and Zechariah's doubt, but God's movement anyway. We get to see the angel come to Mary and Mary's acceptance of this role as the mother of God's son. 
We get to see then Elizabeth and Mary have their meeting together. We get to see John uh, leaping in the womb of Elizabeth. We get to see this travel now between Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem to be counted in the census. All of this drama plays out. And then in Luke, we get to see the angels come to the shepherds in this ultimate Christmas moment, right? Like Christ has come. You will find him lying in a manger. And Luke lays this whole story out for us in just vivid detail. All that buildup, all that anticipation, and then this explosion of light into the world that is Jesus Christ. And then Luke changes perspectives and moves 40 days forward in the story. The story jumps 40 days forward to when Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple to be presented and consecrated before God. This is a Jewish law and a Jewish custom that was observed at that time. You would bring this child 40 days after uh, he or she was born, and they would be presented at the temple to be consecrated before God. It was a very important time for them. And so they made this trip, and they got there. And at the temple, we find two people who have spent their whole lives waiting for God, Simeon and Anna. And Simeon and Anna provide an important window for us this morning because I think that for some of us, the experience of Simeon and Anna may mirror things that we have or maybe are experiencing. So let's check this out in Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 38. They've arrived at the temple, Jesus and Mary and Joseph. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations." a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. What an extraordinary thing to say upon meeting a baby. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of God. Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So my wife and I, uh, we adopted our oldest son, Joseph, from Nigeria. And when we were in Nigeria, we experienced a culture where, where people were very, very open about touching your baby uh, and talking to you about your baby. And so we were in this culture, and one of the funniest things that happened more than once 
was someone coming up to my wife and I, and we were inevitably the only white people in the place that we were, and they assumed that she and I were brother and sister because all white people look the same. Uh, she assumed that we were brother and sister, and so they would came up, come up to us, and they would touch Joseph, and they would say how beautiful he was. He was like a year old at this point, and then they would look at Kayla, and they would say, oh, his father, father must be very dark. His father must be very dark. They assumed that uh, Kayla was married to a Nigerian man, and Joseph, who is very dark, uh, was somehow the product of both of them. So we would go around, and people were very open to touch Joseph. They wanted to touch his feet. They wanted to touch his hands. And they would talk to us about keeping him well-fed and making sure that he wasn't crying. And if he was crying, you know, they would tell us all the things that might be wrong with him and all of this different kind of stuff. I think in, in the United States that would be considered like a faux pas. Like, maybe you've gone too far. Uh, you can't just touch a stranger's baby. But in Nigeria, there was not a cultural stigma around it. And as odd as it felt at times to us, we realized that there was something very beautiful about it. It, it seemed as though the people there celebrate babies as miracles. Every baby is a miracle, and they're very interested in being near these miracles. They're very interested in being close to and experiencing that miracle up close. Sometimes very, very, very close. So in this passage, when we find Simeon, who is an absolute stranger to Mary and Joseph, walking up to them and taking Jesus in his arms, it sounds alarming to us. But in this culture, it was likely that that was less alarming. He was experiencing a miracle. What he said was certainly very alarming to Mary and Joseph, but he wanted to be close to this baby. He wanted to be close to this miracle. This is the only place that we hear about Simeon in the Bible. We don't know much about Simeon, but we do know he has been waiting. Waiting, as Luke says it, for the consolation of Israel. Waiting for the Messiah. Waiting for the coming kingdom of God. And moved by the Spirit, Simeon is given eyes to see that a 40-day-old baby is that long-awaited Messiah. And so he rushes to the family, takes the baby in his arms, and speaks this prophecy over Mary and Joseph. And at that same time, as though this commotion was not strange enough, another person enters into the fray, and it's a prophet named Anna. And we are told that she begins to testify about who this child is to all those who are gathered. And I imagine in this moment that Simeon and Anna are becoming like this chorus, praising God to all who are gathered at the temple that day. Like the angels who visited the shepherds outside of Bethlehem, Anna and Simeon are testifying to this miraculous reality that the world has changed. They understand that something has happened that has absolutely fundamentally shifted the course of history. The angels came to the shepherds, and now Simeon and Anna, these, these uh, very old by the uh, you know, culture that they were in, people are testifying to everyone at the temple. They have met Jesus, the long-awaited one who would bring the kingdom of God to earth, and they can't stop talking about it because they know nothing will be the same again. And like I said, Simeon and Anna, especially in the culture that they were in, were quite old. 
84 years old was almost unheard of in the first century. There was too many things that could go wrong, too many things that could kill you, and no solutions to those problems. To be 84 years old was quite an accomplishment. They have been waiting for a long, long time. We can assume Simeon is old because I don't think any 25-year-old guy would say, now that I've seen this baby, I can die happy. That's just not how 25-year-old guys talk, right? Uh, And so we know that these two have been waiting a long time, waiting on God, waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting to see all these prophecies coming true. And I imagine that Simeon and Anna came to the temple day after day after day, week after week, year after year, waiting for God to move. And I wonder if there were ever days where they wondered, is this really going to happen? Is this ever going to come true? Will God ever come through? Were there ever days where they were ready to give up? Advent is a season of waiting. Like I said, we light the candles, we sit in anticipation, we, 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 we prepare our hearts for the coming of God, and then we have Christmas. But what happens when Christmas comes on the calendar and Christmas comes in our churches, but then we wake up on December 26th and the world still feels the same? We wake up on December 26th and we look around and we've said that God has come We sang that Emmanuel is with us, but it seems like the world is still broken. Situations around us and that we are in ourselves feel hopeless. We lit the candles. Simeon and Anna went to the temple. We counted down the days on the calendar. They waited for the consolation of Israel. And then Christmas happened and the angels sang. But if you think about it, Simeon and Anna weren't there to hear it. Christmas happened, and Simeon and Anna didn't know. The day that General Gordon Granger arrived in Texas was June 19, 1865. You might have heard of this because it is known as Juneteenth. To many Americans, especially black Americans, this date is considered like a second Independence Day in this country. And last year, it actually became an official holiday uh, in the United States. Juneteenth is now a holiday. And it's a celebration and a remembrance of the day that those enslaved people in Texas finally got to live into the reality that was true two and a half years before on January 1st, 1863. The reality that they were free men and women. Juneteenth is celebrated, not the Emancipation Proclamation, because Juneteenth is the day that it became real to those people. Sometimes there is a gap between what is true and our experience of that truth. Simeon and Anna celebrated the birth of Jesus 40 days after it happened. Now, maybe that doesn't sound like a lot. They'd been waiting years and years and years. But they didn't get to find out with the shepherds. They celebrated 40 days. They had 40 more days 
of waiting. Christmas had come, the angels had sang, but Simeon and Anna were still waiting, waiting for hope, waiting for light, waiting to see the Messiah, God's great rescue plan for the world. The gap between Christmas and the day that Anna and Simeon joined the choir of angels announcing the good news did not make the news any less real or true. It did not make the news any less good. It just meant that their wait was a little bit longer. It's it's my privilege as the person who gets to stand up here that I get to say that what the angels told the shepherds and what Anna and Simeon told the people gathered in the temple that day, what they said is true. Christ has come. God is with us. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. But where you sit today, you may not be experiencing that right now. And this morning, we hold both of those truths together. The truth that God has come and the world has changed and the ending to the story has already been written. And the reality that we still struggle and wait and sit in seasons of Advent that sometimes last longer than four weeks. That sometimes last longer than what we think we can bear. So my prayer for us today is not that we would fake it until we make it. Not that we would come to the Christmas Eve service and open the presents on Christmas Day and smile and pretend like the world has changed, even though maybe we're not experiencing the change that we had hoped to see in our own lives and in the world. I don't want us to fake it until we make it, but rather I want us to be held up by the word of others today. There were still some in the temple that day with Simeon and Anna who didn't listen. But maybe, maybe they got a chance to believe. Maybe they were still waiting for the consolation of Israel and they saw them with that baby and they wondered, is that true? Is that just, maybe that's just crazy, whatever. But they heard it anyway. They were lifted up and they were carried by the word of others. So my prayer for us today is that we would be lifted up and carried and that someday soon those of us who wait and wonder and sit in longer seasons of Advent than we think we can handle, that we will experience Christmas too. And that we will repeat the good news to others who are waiting. My prayer is that we could actually celebrate Christmas again and again and again, maybe not always on the days that it is scheduled, maybe not always on the days that we want to celebrate it, but on the days that we recognize that the light has come. To close, I'd like to read a a short prayer uh, from a book of prayers and liturgies called To Light Their Way. O come, Emmanuel, we anticipate Great news that we so desperately need. Break into this world again and again and again, like you did so many years ago. Bring joy to the people, hope to the hopeless, light to the darkness, 
And may we prepare you room so that we may be instruments of your peace. Let's pray together. God, I thank you that Christmas has come. God, I thank you that we, we gather here together on December 26th. And that once again, December 25th has showed up. That you are here. That Christ has come. I thank you that this is true. And God, I also pray that for those who are still waiting to experience that truth, that they could hear the words of others, that they could hear the words of these songs, that they could hear the words of Scripture that testify to this truth, so that when their moment comes, they would be welcome recipients like Simeon and Anna, not put out that they had to wait, but joyfully accepting that Christ has come to them and to the world. God, we love you. And we are in awe of the reality that you sent your Son here for us. That you love us that much. And so God, fill us up this morning with your Spirit so that we can go out and tell others the good news that you have come. I pray all this in your name. Amen.